As Hurricane Ian pummels Florida, members of the media rush to blame climate change. Joe Biden thinks a dead person is alive, and his press secretary gives the world's worst defense. And Lizzo plays James Madison's 200-year-old flute. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Speaking of which, you should not make your internet activity subject to the whims of big tech. The fact is that every time you connect to an unencrypted network, cafe, hotel, airport, any hacker on that same network can gain access to your personal data, which means your passwords, your financial details, et cetera. Plus, big tech is monitoring you so they can make lots of money off of you. Again, hackers can make up to $1,000 per person just selling that information on the dark web. And big tech is making lots of money by selling your data to advertisers and lots of other people. So why leave your data out there for anybody else to grab? ExpressVPN will save you from this horrible, horrible predicament. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so hackers can't steal that sensitive data. It would take the most experienced hacker with the best equipment over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. I like ExpressVPN because it's incredibly easy to use. I fire up the app, I click one button, I am now free to use the internet as I see fit. Plus, it works on all devices, phones, laptops, tablets, so I can stay secure when I'm on the go. I love ExpressVPN, easy to use, easy to implement, and again, ain't gonna cost you an arm and a leg. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. You can get an extra three months for free, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Also, this holiday season, you're gonna be sending out a lot of gifts to family and friends if you're a decent person, but why spend so much money doing that. Or if you run a business, you're going to ship out a lot of stuff this year, right? I mean, it's the shopping season. So why exactly would you waste time and energy and money over at the post office? Instead, do what we here at The Daily Wire have been doing since 2017. Use stamps.com. It's the 24-7 post office you can access from anywhere. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. For more than 20 years, stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to the USPS and UPS services you need to run your business right from your computer. With inflation, on the rise. Every buck counts. Protect your margins with major discounts on USPS and UPS rates. We're talking up to 86% off. It's a stress-free solution for every small business. Use stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and a printer. And if you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your stamps.com dashboard. Rates constantly changing, but with stamps.com's switch and save feature, you can easily compare carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal Every single time. Get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for that special offer. We're talking a four-week trial, free postage, digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Head on over to stamps.com. Click that microphone at the top of the page. Enter code Shapiro to get started. Well, Hurricane Ian continues to pummel Florida. It's been downgraded to a Category 2 or a Category 1 as it moves further inland over the coast of Florida. It has absolutely crushed places like Naples, like Sanibel Island, and basically any place that was directly on that Gulf Coast of Florida in sort of the central region or or southern region of Florida is getting absolutely crushed. We're talking about storm surges of up to 18 feet along the ground level. So lots of video has now been coming out of places that are completely flooded. At least a million people are without power, maybe two million people without power as this hurricane continues inland. Basically, it's not about the wind damage. It's about the storm surge because when hurricanes move toward a coast, what they do is they suck all the water in with them and then they promptly deposit all that water back on shore as they move inland. And that's precisely what has happened. So there's some wild video of, for example, sharks swimming around Areas in like Fort Myers Beach, like in the middle of the street, you got sharks that are just swimming around. In in Tampa, apparently, there is video like in the subways of sharks swimming around on the subways because just enormous amounts of water have now been deposited inland. Houses uh, have been completely wrecked. 
It, it is a major natural disaster, no question about it. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, he says this is one of the five worst hurricanes in Florida history. Here's the governor. As much as we're focused on Southwest Florida, very important, obviously, when you have a storm of this nature, uh, I think at landfall, it's going to be behind only the Labor Day hurricane, Hurricane Andrew and Hurricane Michael in terms of intensity. Uh, I think we're going to end up seeing that. It may end up being a Category 5, but at a minimum, it's going to be a very strong Category 4 that's going to rank as one of the top five hurricanes to ever hit the Florida Peninsula. Now, Florida has deployed an enormous number of resources to help deal with this. Uh, obviously, we've seen an enormous amount of damage from this hurricane. One of the sheriffs in Florida is now suggesting the death toll could be in the hundreds. He said this on Good Morning America's name is Carmine Marceno. Uh, and uh, he said there are hundreds in Lee County. That is where Fort Myers is located. Presumably, that number is going to rise as time goes on. Enormous amount of property damage, as well as seeing houses floating away, literally floating away in Fort Myers. A very, very damaging storm. It's going to take a while for these areas to recover because this is essentially a 100-year storm. Tampa hasn't been hit by anything remotely like this in about 100 years. According to the Washington Post, 2.5 million Floridians were put under evacuation orders or warnings earlier this week, but some people decided to stay. Obviously, the people who decided to stay, they've been kind of rushing to high ground. They've been attempting to get up to higher levels of the buildings where they are. So, for example, you saw the mayor of Naples, who was actually giving a press conference from the second floor of the Naples City Hall. This sort of stuff, unfortunately, it's 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 really horrifying, and these places are going to need an awful lot of help. For his part, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, he said he spoke with Ron DeSantis, and they stand ready to help. I made it clear to the governor and the mayors that the federal government is ready to help in every single way possible. When the storm passes, the federal government is going to be there to help you recover. We'll be there to help you clean up and rebuild, to help you get Florida get moving again. And we'll be there at every step of the way. That's my absolute commitment to the people of the state of Florida. Okay, well, that, that would be the absolute commitment of any president. Obviously, after George W. Bush was shellacked for his supposedly lax handling of Hurricane Katrina, even though that was really a state and local failure, no president of the United States is going to not deploy the resources of the federal government in the middle of a hurricane. That's been a pretty non-controversial American federal policy going all the way back about 100 years. I mean, the last time a president of the United States basically said, Local disaster, you handle it, was Grover, Cleveland, all the way back in about 1896. So it's been quite a while since the federal government has been getting itself involved in these sorts of issues. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, she said they have the manpower and woman power on the ground, which is just, it's, I'm sorry, it's a, what about the they power? What about those who are neither men nor women who are providing help? What about the trans non-binary little people who are providing help on the ground? Like, I, I do love that the, the silliness of the equity language has now pervaded everything up to and including who is going to be rescuing pets from roofs in Florida? Well done here, Corinne Jean-Pierre. We have put the full force of the federal government uh, when it comes to making sure the people of Florida have the resources they need. I just listed out at the top of my, uh, at the top of the briefing on all of the uh, kind of resources, manpower, women power that's on the ground, uh, water, food, and we will continue to, to move in that direction, making sure that uh, the folks of Florida get what they need. You do need the manpower and the woman power and the they power. All, all very, very important stuff. Uh, I, I will say here that, that there are a couple of aspects of the federal response already that are, that are highly politicized. So Joe Biden took the opportunity of this particularly bad storm to warn against gas gouging. 
So th- this is a routine that Joe Biden has been doing for, for quite a while here, is that when the prices go up, he blames the gas companies, despite the fact that it is not your local Shell retailer that is jacking up the prices of gas. It's the underlying forces in the oil and gas market, namely lack of production, shutdowns of pipelines, high taxation, right? The, 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 the profit margin for your local gas station is really, really low. But when the inflate when when you inflate the economy and when there is a shortage of supply you get higher prices joe biden however will yell at the local gas station he'll just like ride his bicycle over there fall over and then get out and start at the gas station well now he's doing that in florida he's suggesting that what's happening when the prices go up in the middle of a hurricane is that there is gas gouging going on that it's the it's the profit driven evil companies that are making those prices go up no that is not how any of this works what is happening is that it is very very difficult to resupply gas stations in the middle of a giant hurricane and so that means there are gas shortages and the only way to actually lower the demand with regard to gas is to increase the price that is why the prices go up during a natural disaster in the same way that if there was a giant blight on agriculture the price of wheat would go up that wouldn't be the farmers gouging you so here is joe biden saying economically nonsensical things because this is what he does for a living my experts inform me the production of only about 190,000 barrels a day has been impacted by the storm thus far. That's less than 2% of the United States daily production impacted for a very short period of time. This small temporary storm impact on oil production provides no excuse, no excuse for price increases at the pump, none. If gas companies try to use this storm to raise prices of the pump, I will ask officials to look into whether price gouging is going on. America is watching. The industry should do the right thing. As a matter of fact, they should move more quickly now to bring down the price of the pump because gasoline is down. The price of gasoline is down a great deal. Okay, that, that, I'm, I'm sorry. That's just insipid economics. By the way, speaking of what is going on with gas prices, gas prices actually have jumped a little bit over the course of the last couple of weeks, thanks specifically to the Russia-Ukraine war and the blowing up of Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 and all the rest. So when Joe Biden says that it's the gas company's fault if those prices are going up, understand that as the head of American energy policy, which is what the president of the United States effectively is, when it comes to large-scale trends in price, that is much more due to Joe Biden than it is due to your local retailer, who, by the way, your gas station doesn't make money on the gas. Your gas station makes money at the A&P. They make money when you buy a Slurpee at the machine. That's where they actually make their real money. The amount of money that they're making off the gas is very, very minimal. So again, that's one aspect of the economic politics of this that's incredibly stupid. Meanwhile, I will say it is fairly amazing what Democrats can get away with when it comes to going to fundraisers in the middle of disasters. You remember that Barack Obama famously jetted off to Las Vegas in the middle of the Benghazi disaster, right? As Americans were being murdered in Benghazi, Libya, you remember that he went over to Las Vegas and he had a big party with like Jay-Z and Beyonce and all the rest of it. And everybody in the media was like, oh, you know, that's what he does. I mean, he is the president. Why wouldn't he be in Las Vegas hanging out with Beyonce and Jay-Z? But I promise you that if this had been a Republican president and if Donald Trump were president right now and there were a disaster in Florida and Trump were going to some sort of fundraiser, all you would hear wall to wall is how the president isn't in the hurricane senator monitoring. Now, listen, I'm not under the grave misimpression that the president of the United States actually needs to be over at the at the hurricane center with FEMA monitoring this stuff. I don't think the president has control over the hurricanes. I think it's really stupid when politicians jet set into disaster ridden areas and they survey the wreckage. I thought this, whether it was Trump, whether it was Obama, like there are certain things that we demand of our politicians that are just incredibly dumb. It's like we're going to put Joe Biden, who, who again, can barely move. We're going like to get him on a rowboat and we're going to row him through Fort Myers or something. And he's going to look out over the waters and all the waters are going to recede. Like none of that is real. But let's just say that there ought to be one media standard. 
If the media standard is that the president needs to be absolutely present, he needs to be there, he needs to be ready, on the mark, ready to deploy, then going to fundraisers is kind of a bad thing in the middle of a giant Cat 4 hurricane hitting one of the largest states in the United States. Here was Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday acknowledging that Joe Biden was still going to a fundraiser last night. President's schedule tonight has him attending a political fundraiser Mm -hmm. while the storm is hitting the state of Florida. Is it still his intent? to go to the fundraiser, or will he stay here at the White House and monitor them? So um, we don't have anything to change, any changes uh, in his schedule. He has been really steadfast uh, and very clear and has spoken multiple times uh, on what is happening uh, in in Florida and what we are seeing with Hurricane Ian. Oh, he's been, so it's the steadfastness with which he speaks. That now matters. When, when George W. Bush, however, flies a plane over the wreckage of Hurricane Katrina, then that means that he's out of touch and, and quite terrible. So do love the double standard. Meanwhile, the media doing their best to basically try to blame this thing on climate change and global warming. Now, again, as I said yesterday, one of the big talking points for global warming advocates has been that you cannot label any specific weather event an outcome of climate change. And you can't do that because, again, they're data points. Climate change is a trend. You cannot use a data point in substitution of a trend. Otherwise, you end up with people on the right going out in the middle of a snowstorm and being like, hey, where's the global warming, guys? Got a snowball right here. Hey, this is something that people who, the, the quote-unquote climate deniers, they do this, and then people on the left are like, well, you can't say that that blizzard right there is the result of global warming. All we are saying is that over time, the trend of the climate has changed. Okay, well, if you're going to do that, then it works for both sides. And every climate scientist will tell you this. Okay, I, I speak regularly. For a climate denier, it's pretty incredible with the number of climate scientists I speak to. I speak regularly with people ranging from like MIT to Caltech about things related to climate change. And every single one, right to left to set, like everyone will tell you that you cannot label any single weather event the outcome of climate change. That's particularly true when you're using bad data. But CNN, MSNBC, The View, they don't care about whether they're using bad data. They have a political point of view to promulgate. And that point of view is we, it's almost a paganistic worldview. It's like if we propitiate the gods by getting rid of, of these gas-powered vehicles, then there will just be no more hurricanes. Which is weird, because there are hurricanes on, you know, like Jupiter, and there are no gas-powered vehicles on Jupiter. It turns out that one of the natural features of weather in every weather system that we know of is hurricanes. So there's that. Also, one of the simple facts that we also happen to know is that hurricanes have not, in fact, become more frequent over time, and that the amount of damage that is being done by hurricanes is due to what we talked about yesterday, the target effect, meaning if you shoot an arrow at a tree and there's no target on the tree and then you paint a target around the arrow, then magically you're amazing at archery. Well, that's basically what's happened with these hurricanes. These hurricanes have been hitting these areas for a very long time, but people are just building more in these areas. So when a large scale hurricane hits Fort Myers and it wipes out half the island, is that because the hurricane is more severe or is it because people built on Fort Myers and a long time ago, people didn't build on Fort Myers out of fear of hurricanes. So now that you have more people living in these areas, you have increase the size of the target around the arrow, which means that the hurricanes are now very, very good at archery, to mix our metaphors. This is something Bjorn Lomberg has written about significantly. He says the frequency category three and above hurricanes making landfall since 1900 is also trending slightly down over the course of time. He says airplanes and satellites have dramatically increased the number of storms scientists can spot at sea today, making the frequency of landfall hurricanes, which were reliably documented even in 1900, a better statistic than the total number of Atlantic hurricanes. And those are basically stagnant. The frequency of hurricanes making landfall has declined slightly since 1900. A July Nature paper found that the increases in strong hurricanes you've heard so much about are not part of a century-scale increase, but a recovery from a deep minimum in the 1960s through 1980s. In other words, if you're seeing more severe hurricanes now, that is because from the 60s to the 80s, we had a period of artificially low hurricanes. 
So as Lomberg says, better infrastructure fed by improved technology and wealth does more to protect lives and property than cutting carbon emissions. And this is really the underlying point here is that what you see from the left is this idea that if we pour trillions of dollars into green energy, we'll stop the hurricanes. That's silly. Hurricanes were happening long before people were using gas-powered vehicles. They will be happening long after people are using gas-powered vehicles. Before human beings were walking on planet Earth, before the species, Homo sapiens existed, there were hurricanes that were striking a lot of these areas, and that will continue for the rest of time. Okay, the real question is, how do human beings adapt to all of that? But none of this actually matters to the so-called climate lovers, the, the, the science lovers, the people who love to science, not actual science. They love to science, which is politically driven science in search of, of some sort of political outcome. So Bill Weir, who does this routine all the time on CNN, he went out there and tried to blame climate change for the hurricane, of course. Again and again, I've been trying to mention that this is the result of a warmer planet. Scientists have warned us for a long time that storms won't get necessarily more hurricanes out of uh, climate change, but the ones we do get will be bigger and faster and wetter. And here is your exhibit A, Hurricane Ian. Okay, but your exhibit A, if I just give you an exhibit, I can do that with like literally anything. I can take a single data, this is bad data science. You can pick a single data point and pretend that it's part of a trend without any sort of evidence. Like what you're gonna need is a bunch of data points demonstrating this. And let's be real about this. The state of Florida last year basically did not get hit in any significant way. The state of Florida the year before did not get hit in any really significant way. This year, we had an unusually quiet hurricane season up until we had this giant hurricane. This is one of the big problems with data trends and the way that the media analyze them in the United States. They take outlying events, meaning events that are statistically fairly rare, and then they use these to try to promote the idea that there is a giant global trend happening. Again, when it comes to hurricanes, the, the connection between climate change and hurricanes is actually one of the least clear connections. If you're going to do the climate change routine, climate is damaging everything, climate's a real problem, what you want to look at is long-term trends on like ice sheets, right? You want, you're going to want to look at the water levels around the world. You're going to want to look at at the, the global temperature as we measure it. You're not going to want to look at events that are statistically rare. It's almost the same way that the left likes to analyze school shootings as though it's the only indicator of gun violence in the United States and therefore must ban all long guns, ignoring the fact that the vast majority of killings with guns in the United States are not done with long guns. In other words, when you pick statistical outliers like hurricanes and you use them as evidence, you are doing a bad job with the data. But that's exactly what our media wish to do because this is how the media cover events. The media don't cover trends. The media cover specific events, and then they try to connect that to a trend. So here is MSNBC's Joy Reid and Ali Belshi, Velshi, both amazing climate scientists, claiming that climate change is to, is to blame for all of this. There is a lot that has changed about the earth that has made these things worse, right? I mean, these things are thriving yep. because the water is getting warmer. And I think when people, we stopped calling yep. it global warming for political reasons, but that's what it is, right? Our earth is getting warmer and there is just no doubt, I think, left that it is feeding these beasts. Well, and, and what you where it comes out is in the intensity. The people say, well, there have been hurricanes for millennia. Well, that's true. Uh, but we, we sometimes get these ones that are so much more damaging and so much more intense. And it, it's good that we talk about these things in the moment, because lots of times over the years when I brought it up, people said, oh, now's not the time to talk about that's it. Right. Now's the time to talk about it, because the only time people are paying attention to how damaging these things are. OK, well, again, that, he gives away the game right there is we're going to talk about this as though it is evidence of a trend despite the fact that we don't present no data on this, because now is the time when we can get people's attention and then we can be really alarmist about the idea that these hurricanes are going to become more frequent and more deadly. By the way, if we're going to talk about the most damaging hurricanes in American history, The Hill did a rundown of the most damaging hurricanes in American history. Okay, how about the Chenier Kaminata hurricane of 1893? 
Now, as before, gas-powered emissions were, were really the big problem on planet Earth. A powerful Category 4 hurricane made landfall on a small island in Louisiana with wind speeds of more than 130 miles an hour. Apparently, the storm surge basically took out all but one house and killed 778 of the town's 1,471 residents. 2,000 more people were killed as the hurricane moved over Mississippi. How about the Galveston hurricane of 1900? High tides resulted in 8,000 deaths. That was in 1900 when a Category 4 hurricane hit Galveston, Texas with storm tides up to 15 feet. How about the San Felipe, San Felipe Okeechobee hurricane of 1928? That was a Florida hurricane. More than 2,000 people died. Now, what you'll notice is that the number of people who have died due to hurricanes in the United States, except for Hurricane Katrina, which was a huge failure of the levees, has been significantly lower than these numbers that I'm citing earlier on because people have become better at adapting. You'll also notice that these hurricanes that I'm talking about are like 100, 120 years ago. So again, the attempt to, to paint all of this as it's the climate change denier's fault. It's, if you refuse to acknowledge the great God of climate change, then you will have caused the hurricane. Again, the data do not back this. The view, of course, the, the repository of nearly all stupidity in, in the entire universe, perhaps in, in the entirety of the Milky Way. The view slammed Ron DeSantis, who's so far doing a very good job handling the hurricane, as governors are, are supposed to do, claiming that he's a climate denier, so basically he deserves it. This one point, yes, because according to the NP, uh, to NPR, Florida's climate challenges are among the biggest in the country. Yes, that's hurricanes intensified by yep. climate change, yes. rising yes. sea levels, yes. extreme heat that and water. drought, yeah. and health. This one's the worst one: health threats from mosquito-borne diseases. Okay, oh. this is the quote from Governor DeSantis yep. about climate change. Quote: I am not in the pews of the church of the global warming leftists. This is what he thinks about climate change. And now his state is getting hit with one of the worst hurricanes well, that perhaps, they will ever see. Perhaps he is smart enough to recognize that this is not normal. The phrase not normal covers an absolute multitude of sins. It's sort of like the phrase problematic, the word problematic. If somebody says something is problematic, it apparently alleviates any duty they have to explain why something is bad. They just go, oh, that's very problematic. You're like, why? Like, well, because it is problematic. Same thing with not normal. You know, what's happening right now is not normal. Okay, well, explain. What's the not normal part about it? Meaning, yeah, hurricanes, generally speaking, are statistically abnormal. Like 364 out of the days of the year, there was not a hurricane in Florida. So statistically, it's an abnormality. But are you saying that hurricanes generally are abnormal? Are you saying that we've never had a hurricane like this, which is not true? Like, what exactly? It doesn't matter. All you have to say is not normal, and everybody just nods along. Okay, well, I guess we'll just give you a lot of money, and, and you can throw it at things. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's talk about the efficiency of your business. So when you're reaching out to potential customers or maybe you're a doctor and you need to reach out to patients or maybe you're anybody, you need to reach out to anybody, you don't do it through voice message, okay? You don't try to make a call to people because it just comes up as spam risk and nobody picks up the phone. Instead, you use text and this is why you need a Podium. Podium gives businesses the tools to compete with the convenience offered by bigger businesses or huge companies like Amazon. From healthcare providers to plumbers, over 100,000 businesses are texting with customers through Podium. Customers love the convenience. Businesses love the results. One car dealer sold a $50,000 truck in just four text messages. A jeweler sold a $5,000 ring and coordinated curbside pickup all through text. Because if you're talking about people of my generation, we only read the text. Okay, even voice messages. We're not going to listen to that stuff. You just need to text with people, particularly your customers. With Podium's all-in-one inbox, you can do more than just chat. You can get more online reviews by sending an easy-to-use link. You can collect payments fast from anywhere. You can send marketing campaigns that actually get a response all by sending that text. So see how Podium can grow your business. Watch a demo today at podium.com slash Shapiro. That's podium.com slash Shapiro to get started. Podium, let's grow. And meanwhile, did you know 
There are currently over 2.4 million podcasts in the world, including the one you are listening to right now. It takes a team of people to bring you the show. Sometimes it's even at your house and you have to have Savvy and Zach brave the hurricane or the not hurricane outside to come make sure that the show works on time. Well, if you need the best people to drive over to your house and run your podcast, you need ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. If you're a fan of the show and you want to try ZipRecruiter for free, you need to remember my special URL, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Make sure you get the best employees available. That can only happen if you use the best service on the market. We're talking ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire to get started for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire to get started. Well, meanwhile, Joe Biden claims that he has a handle on all of this, and FEMA does because the president doesn't really do anything when it comes to hurricanes. Again, the dirty little secret when it comes to the handling of natural disasters is we have an entire agency that is dedicated to doing precisely this. And pictures of Joe Biden or Barack Obama or Donald Trump standing in the hurricane center wearing a coat, they didn't change anything. They just stood there and they posed for the which is a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing that large swaths of the federal government actually run without the president having to be there because the president is not there. I don't mean he's not physically there. His body may be there, but his mind is elsewhere. Uh, the, the president of the United States, it is an unfortunate fact. And I know the media are trying to obscure this. By the way, the, the, this is going to change if the Democrats lose the midterms. If the Democrats lose the House and lose the Senate, the calls for Joe Biden to go are going to grow increasingly loud. Among the, the media right now are attempting to basically swivel Joe Biden's presidency into, he's doing an amazing job, guys. It's so good. Biden is just winning again. So much winning. Aviator glasses. That will last until precisely the moment his party gets booted from office in November. If that goes real bad, by December, there are going to be calls for Joe Biden to announce that he is not, in fact, running in 2024 because he's a drag on the party. Because let's be real about this. Everyone who watches Joe Biden speak for more than 32 seconds recognizes that this man is not capable. He just is not. And when it comes to the hurricanes, for example, Joe Biden, right before the hurricane actually made landfall, uh, he suggested that one of the most imp important things you can do if you are sheltering from the hurricane is you need to get vaccinated. What in the what? Say, hmm? I, I'm going to say well, that's one of the least important things you could do. Like you have 24 hours to get ready for the hurricane. What are you going to do? What are you gonna, Are you going to get vaccinated? Are you going to try and leave the state? Are you going to grab all your valuables? Like what? what here, here's the president of the United States explaining that you need to vaccinate for a disease that pretty much everybody in the United States got already and has been vaccinated seven times for. And we are now on booster number 83. Here is the president. Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike, like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane or a natural disaster hits. Okay, so uh, make sure that you're vaccinated because we wouldn't want, while you're drowning, we have to make sure that you don't infect anybody with, uh, with COVID, which unless you are elderly and have diabetes is not going to kill you, statistically speaking. That was not actually Joe Biden's weirdest moment over the course of the last 72 hours. We've already seen video of Joe Biden shaking hands with ghosts. We've seen him at, at his at his speeches wander off from the podium and he starts like putting his hand out and he's kind of shaking hands. We, we saw just last week a video of him at some sort of event where he wanders away from the podium, has no idea where to go, starts kind of looking around bizarrely like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction and, and then has to be guided by his people off the stage. Well, yesterday, 
Joe Biden did a rally in Indiana and he gave a shout out to Jackie Walorski. Jackie Walorski is a representative who recently died in a car accident. Again, not the first time Joe Biden has done this. He once said about a wheelchair bound person, why don't you stand up and take a bow? So Joe Biden has never been all there, but now he's really, really not there. So here is Joe Biden, who apparently does not know that Jackie Walorski is dead. Either that or we've got this all wrong. And he's basically, we're all dead. And Bruce Willis is, is basically, we, we all see ghosts. I mean, apparently, maybe that's the, re the real solution here is we don't understand that Joe Biden actually has the ability to convene with the dead without a Ouija board. So maybe we're actually underestimating his abilities here. Like we think he's all senile, but um, he's not, in fact, senile. Maybe he actually can convene with the dead which would be an amazing quality in a president of the United. Frankly, this gives me optimism for the future of the country. Here's Joe Biden. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, yeah, Senator know. Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? Um, I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Yeah, I think she's not. Yeah, well, I don't know why she's not here because she's dead. But he, it, um, the White House put a statement out when she died tragically in that car accident, noting her death. So there is Joe Biden just forgetting that people are dead. And um, that was actually not the worst part, okay? Because Joe Biden makes these gaffes fairly frequently. He talks to trees. Sometimes he sometimes he talks to the sidewalk. Occasionally, he, he makes personal acquaintance with the sidewalk after falling off a stationary bicycle. I mean, none of this is particularly shocking coming from our um, our president of the United States who is mentally losing his, his faculties. The worst part is what happened with Karine Jean-Pierre afterwards. So if you are the White House press secretary and you're faced with this, you should just be like, yeah, Joe Biden made a mistake. He forgot about that tragedy and he apologizes for that. And then we all move on, right? Then it's not a news cycle. Because like, okay, we all know the truth, which is that he forgot. He didn't remember. He, he For some reason, it slipped his mind that she had been killed in a car accident. Okay, that, like, that would be understandable. It'd be weird, but it'd be understandable. Instead, Karine Jean-Pierre tries to explain that he knew full well she was dead, but he called her out for no reason or something. Corinne Jean-Pierre is so bad at this. I mean, legitimately, she is she is the Bob Euchre of, like Bob Euchre had a career batting average under 200. That is Corinne Jean-Pierre. Like she, she is the worst press secretary I have ever seen. I've seen a bunch of them at this point. She is by far the worst. Here we go. Does the president think that she's living and in the room? I don't find that confusing. I mean, I think many people can speak to sometimes when you have someone top of mind, they're a top of mind, exactly that. Uh, and it is also, if you put it into the context, it's not like it happened without outside of context, right? He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just, I just explained she was on top of mind, uh, um, you know? This wasn't what we were able to witness today and what the president was able to lift up uh, in this uh, at this conference at this event uh, was how her uh, her focus on um, wanting to uh, uh, deal with combat food insecurity in America. And this is something that he was lifting up and honoring. Um, and then the reporter's like, well, um, I have John Lennon top of mind nearly every day because I like the Beatles, but I don't think he's alive. Here we go. Green, I have John Lennon okay. top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him anyway. When you sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon has president, then we can have this conversation. Why okay, go ahead. What? But what? Uh, I, hmm? So, so to, to have a comment about this, apparently you have to be the president of the United States signing a bill in honor of a human, and then you can think they're alive? Is that the, is that the logic here? Again, the, the reporter's point 
goes. I read over the weekend a biography of Napoleon by Andrew Roberts. I'm not under the imp- impression that Napoleon is still in the room somewhere. I, I, the part of this that really is astonishing, and it says something deeper about our politics, is you can't just say in our politics, oops. You can't just say oops, right? Every president has to be treated as though the president is completely infallible. The president is not a king. And this is a bipartisan phenomenon. Trump would say stuff and people on the right would be like, that is a 4D chess move, my friend. He knows exactly what he is saying and it is a genius move. And it's like, well, probably it wasn't. Probably it was just sweetened from the toilet and we can just move on with our life. And with Joe Biden, it's particularly telling because Joe Biden, like everybody knew what Trump was, right? Everybody could see that Trump was just kind of saying the stuff that he wanted to say. With Joe Biden, they keep trying to burnish him. They keep trying to make him something he is not. He is a doddering elderly gentleman who has no clue what is going on around him, except at times when he is completely withdrawing from Afghanistan and leaving 38 million people to the hands of the Taliban. The president of the United States is not a leader. He is not with us. He is gone. Okay, the attic, the light is on, but they ain't nobody home. There are marbles that are missing from that jar. Joe Biden is, as I have said, at the point in his life where he could not pour urine out of a boot if the instructions were written on the heel. He is just not there. Okay, he's gone. There are no bats in the belfry. It is empty. And yet you, you have to have his entire team come out and explain that actually this is an act of massive genius. He just had her top of mind. This would be much better if the White House just said, guys, you made a mistake. You forgot that this tragedy occurred and then we could all move on. But the, the, the necessity in today's politics to try and treat our presidents as though they are blessed with some sort of prophetic infallibility is just, it's, it's insane. And again, it's perfectly obvious to everybody. I mean, Joe Biden literally yesterday had to direct Joe Biden away from a podium, which I guess is better than when the Easter Bunny did it. You remember that? A few months back, Joe Biden was at an Easter egg roll and the media came in there asking him questions. And the Easter Bunny, who I assume was Jen Psaki, came over and like grabbed him by the shoulders and started redirecting him away. It was like a scene from Harvey with Jimmy Stewart. Well, yesterday it was Jill Biden, a.k.a. Edith Wilson, who is uh, guiding our senile president away from the microphones. Okay, I don't know if you're watching Game of Thrones, House of Dragons, but this is basically like Allison's trying to guide Viserys around at this point. Like Jill is, Joe, if you could just follow me, we're going to go down, we're going to go down this, this way. Like this is a step and we're in a garden and this garden is at the White House and the White House is in the United States and the United States is a country on planet Earth. And she's going to take him. She's going to put him in a chair. She's going to put a blanket over his lap. And then she's going to put a pillow behind his back. And then she's going to give him some chamomile tea. And they're going to watch Matlock together. Again, just acknowledge the reality of what is. And life will be so much better for everyone because we will all be able to speak to the same reality. Well, folks, do you like money? Do you like money? Well, hell, who doesn't like money other than Bernie Sanders? And he's lying. He loves money. He has a lake house. Specifically, do you like making companies money, saving companies money, making other people save money who would otherwise spend it? We have a job for you. Daily Wire has a Nashville-based opening for a chief financial officer. This is your big shot at the big leagues. The CFO will oversee our accounting, FP&A, and ad sales teams. You got to have eight to 10 years of experience in financial management, as is someone who is energized by the Daily Wire mission and ready to operate at a super fast pace. It's an intense place over here. Prior relevant experience within an established media or subscription-based organization is indeed required. Agility as a leader is key because our company is in hyper-growth mode. We constantly break and rebuild things to successfully scale at the rate that we do. I mean, we are doubling our revenue basically every year over here. So make sure that you know what you're getting into when you apply for this fast moving and really important position. If this sounds like you, head on over to dailywire.com slash careers to apply. Now, speaking of failures to speak to the same reality, there was a controversy that broke out yesterday over Lizzo. So 
we're not talking about the usual controversy over whether fat is beautiful and fat positivity and whether being 100 pounds overweight is actually a wonderful, wonderful thing that is healthful and all this. We're talking about a controversy that broke out because Lizzo was given access to James Madison's crystal flute from 1813. According to the New York Times, Lizzo looked uncharacteristically nervous as she crossed the stage in a glittering mesh leotard with tights and sequined combat boots. A classically trained flautist began playing when she was in fifth grade and considered studying at the Paris Conservatory. She has woven flute into many of her songs, has played virtually with the New York Philharmonic, and her flute, named Sasha Flute, even has its own Instagram page. But waiting for her on Tuesday night was an exquisite and highly breakable musical instrument that had arrived at her concert in Washington under heavy security, a crystal flute that a French craftsman and clockmaker had made for President James Madison in 1813. And, um, and so there are actually two clips of Lizzo that are going around. And I'm going to play both because I think it's important that we understand the context here. So originally, she was asked by Carla D. Hayden, the first African-American and first woman to lead the Library of Congress, to play the flute because she had asked Lizzo on Friday to visit the library's flute collection. There are about 1,700 of those instruments over at the Library of Congress. She tweeted, Lizzo, we would love for you to come see it and even play a couple when you're in D.C. next week. Like your song, they are good as hell. And she said, I'm coming, Carla, and I'm playing that crystal flute. So Lizzo arrived on Monday with her mother and members of her band. And Dr. Hayden and the staff members ushered her into the flute vault. And they gave her a tour of the collection, which includes fifes, piccolos, and a flute shaped like a walking stick, which Lizzo said she might want as a Christmas present. And she spent more than three hours at the library trying out several of the instruments. So she played a piccolo from John Philip Sousa's band that was used to play the solo at the premiere of Stars and Stripes Forever. She played a plexiglass flute made in 1937. And, uh, and she also apparently played this flute as well. So there is some video that came out from the Library of Congress of her playing the flute. She was trained at University of Houston to play the flute. So she knows how to play the flute. Doesn't mean she's like one of the world's great flautists in the same way that I'm not one of the world's great violinists, right? Being trained from a young age to play, you can be pretty good and that doesn't make you one of the world's, but she's a celebrity, understood. Okay, so here's the video that is uncontroversial of her playing at the Library of Congress. better than what she usually does by like a long stretch. It's very nice. This is very nice. I'm enjoying this. She's a pretty good flautist. Like, great. Okay, so that's non-controversial. Okay, then there's the clip that everybody's making a big deal out of. As the New York Times suggests, right? The big thing that happened with Lizzo is that she brought this flute to a concert, James Madison's flute to a concert, and she proceeded to twerk with it. So this is the thing that the entire world saw, was Lizzo wearing essentially a, a skimpy outfit, twerking with James Madison's flute. Not the first one, which is a very respectful treatment of a historic instrument, but instead, Lizzo bringing forth a historic instrument to twerk with it, which, of course, is the point. Okay, this is, here, here is the clip of Lizzo.
Okay, and then she uh, said something about how she twerked and played James Madison's Crystal Flute from the 1800s. We just made history tonight. So the history wasn't made when she actually went to the Library of Congress and played very nicely. It was when she played one note and twerked with James Madison's flute. Okay, so this is what I'm going to call the face tattoo syndrome. Okay, because what has happened in the media is the face tattoo syndrome or the face tattoo phenomenon. Here's how it works. Somebody does something incredibly controversial and stupid. If you notice it, you're bad. Okay, so you walk into the Starbucks and there's a guy behind the counter and that guy has the Mike Tyson face tattoo that just covers half his face. And you're staring at it because how can you not stare at a person with a giant face tattoo? And he's like, what are you looking at, bub? Are you offended by my face tattoo? You're like, well, I mean, you did get a face tattoo to draw attention to yourself. So I, if you're asking my opinion of the face tattoo, I think it was a bad idea and it looks terrible. How dare you notice? You cannot notice. If you notice, it's bad. The face tattoo phenomenon. That's what's happening here with Lizzo. The first clip, totally uncontroversial. The one that actually made the rounds, however, was her twerking because it is the contrast. That's the whole point that they are making. And commentators were saying this. It is the contrast between Lizzo, a significantly overweight African-American musician, right? Because the idea is that it's groundbreaking for an African-American musician to play James Madison, the, the, one of the founders of the Constitution, to play his flute. That's the groundbreaking aspect. But really, it isn't even her race, right? They tried to make it about her race. It isn't really her race, because I'm sure that if they had wanted to find a better flautist who is black, then Lizzo, I'm sure that there are many black flautists who are significantly better than Lizzo, right? They play in orchestras around the world. I'm sure they are wonderful. Okay, so if the, if the idea was just going to be, we are going to take a historic instrument that belonged to a white Southerner who was in charge of founding the Constitution, and we are going to have a very talented African-American black person play that, that would have been really uncontroversial. Like, seriously, it'd be the equivalent of if, if let's say that George Washington had had a harpsichord and we had had Condoleezza Rice go and play the harpsichord. Like, everyone's like, okay, all right, fine. Okay, but it is the twerking that does it. Understand it's the twerk. It, it is about the twerking. The story is solely and completely about the twerking, which is why you didn't see the first video. The first video has a few views. The one of her playing very nicely in the Library of Congress while dressed somewhat decently. It is the second video where she is twerking and wearing skimpy outfits with the flute that is, because the idea is to degrade the culture. That is what people, that, that is why the clip is viral. The reason the clip is viral is the contrast between a person twerking and the idea of, a, of a, an extraordinarily classy instrument, a historic instrument that speaks to sort of the gentility of America's founders being brought into a context that is vulgar. It's the vulgarization of American history. Again, Lizzo did both, and only one of those clips went viral. And so if you notice that, then you're very, very bad. If you notice that, then this means that you're some sort of racist, or it means that you don't want black people playing the flute or something. No, I just don't want people twerking with historic instruments. By the way, I'd be similarly offended as a violinist. If there was a Stradivarius, somebody had a Strad, and that Strad was lent out to a musician who then proceeded to twerk on the Strad, I would also be insulted, because it turns out that great art should not be degraded. Great art, American history, they should not be degraded by juxtaposition with vulgarity. That should not be a controversial position, but we've now reached the point in American life where nearly everything is a controversial position. Literally everything. Every day on this show, there's some clip that is taken that is utterly uncontroversial and then made into a thing on Twitter. Because we now live in a world where we do not have a shared reality. This was a point that was made by an account on Twitter called Vocal Distance. And he was saying that we don't have a shared reality because half the people saw this clip and they were offended by it and half the people were like, woohoo, it's amazing. Okay, that shared reality has gone away on literally everything. And you have to understand that without that shared reality, we can't have political conversations. We can't have shared values. It's very difficult to see how you have a future as a country if you don't have some sort of shared value. The, the, the part that's kind of astonishing to me on a personal level 
is I don't understand why, why Lizzo would do that, right? Lizzo is enough of a musician to understand the nature of historic musical pieces of art. And so the degradation of that, like, why doesn't she personally have the respect for the instrument and, and respect for the history enough not to twerk with it? I mean, it, and, and by the way, the left would have the same exact reaction if somebody took the Mona Lisa off the wall at the Louvre and then went and twerked with it at some sort of at some sort of rock event. They would have exactly the same reaction because degradation of the past, degradation of great art is part and parcel of something that the deconstructionist left loves. They love the idea that great art doesn't exist, that all art is equivalent, that Robert Mapplethorpe's Piss Christ is actually a form of art. Right? Everything is art in the eye of the beholder. And that's what's really going on here. And if you notice it, then they're like, oh, how dare you notice this? Well, if you hadn't made a big deal out of it, I wouldn't have noticed it. If you didn't think it was historic, if you didn't think it was important, you wouldn't have done it. It also demonstrates, by the way, just how much the sort of institutions of American government have been taken over by members of the woke left. When you have members of the Library of Congress who are reaching out to Lizzo to have her twerk with a flute, that says something like the Library of Congress is supposed to be a place where you preserve historic instruments and respect them. Not a place where you give it to people who are then going to twerk with those instruments on stage to the to the cheers of, of a gaggle of morons. Alrighty, guys, the rest of my show is continuing now. You're not going to want to miss it. We will be getting into the latest on the economy. Plus, a clip from Vice on um, the rehabilitation of sex offenders that goes wildly wrong. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.